Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. You can have a seat. Um, Miss Rhonda is not here today. She she woke up sick this morning, so um, so we're going to keep the kids in here. So prepare yourselves. That's all I'm saying. Okay, we got we got kids in here this morning, so uh, it'll be just like it was when I was a kid, uh, where my mom would glance at me death looks when I would misbehave in church. Um, it's a, it's a sanctification process for parents and for children. It's awesome. Um, hey, no, it's, it's a blessing, and we're excited to have, have the kids in here this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10 uh, primarily this morning as we continue to walk through uh, this series called Here We Stand, looking at some, some things that define us as Southern Baptists. And this morning, we're simply going to look at what we, what we believe about salvation. Now, uh, I'm not going to throw out a whole lot of theological terms. Instead, I'm going to simply walk us through the gospel. Um, and, and as I was preparing for this message this week, I came across a study that, that the Barna Group, uh, run by a guy named George Barna, who just does all kinds of research about uh, church trends and, and what people believe uh, in America, and he released a statistic this week uh, that you may have seen. I, I shared it on Facebook, so if you're on there at all, you, you, you might, may have seen this. Um, he, he shared a statistic he's come across that 51% of churchgoers do not know what the Great Commission is. Over half of people who attend church, and, and I didn't see the, like what he con- considers churchgoers. So if that's like you know, your Christmas and Easter only folks, or, uh, or those who are there like, like once or twice every six months. Uh, so I don't know how he defines churchgoers, but folks who are, who are at least familiar with uh, church and, and would say, yes, they are churchgoers, over half, have no idea what the Great Commission is. Now, two weeks ago, when I was here and we looked at the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, our our primary text was the Great Commission out of Matthew 28, where uh, as Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven, and right before his disciples' eyes, right before he's taken up, he, he gives them this command in Matthew 28. He says, Go, therefore, into all the nations baptizing them and making disciples. This is the last words that Jesus gives to his followers. In other words, it was a pretty big deal, I think, for Jesus to let his disciples know right before he is taken out of their presence, this is what you're to be about. Make disciples. That's the Great Commission. And over half of churchgoers, when they were asked what the Great Commission was, they said, I I don't know. So, so listen, now you know, okay, if you're ever asked, what's the Great Commission? Jesus told us to make disciples. To go into all the world to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Great Commission. Now, the, the question is then, how do we go about that? Well, part of, part of the Great Commission, part of making disciples is, is sharing the gospel. Seeing people come from, move from death to life. Come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we're at, I would say, a crisis point, not just in our denomination, not just in the Southern Baptist Convention, but but I think around the United States. Uh, I'm concerned with the Southern Baptist Convention because that's what I am. I'm a Southern Baptist. That's all I've ever been. God willing, that's all I will ever be. Because we're right. But (laughs) I have no problem saying that. There's a reason that when I got out of college, I remained a Southern Baptist. 
But folks, the, the Southern Baptist Convention, last year, our baptisms were down to the same level they were at in 1948. We are losing ground in the culture. Why? Because half of churchgoers don't know what the Great Commission is. I don't think those things are isolated. I think they are very well connected. We, if we don't know who we are, or, or, or let, me, let, me, let me back up even further. If we don't know whose we are, we won't know who we are, and we won't know what we're supposed to be doing. So, so listen, if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Christ, you would say, yes, there is a time in my life where I uh, repented of my sins, where I trusted in Christ. You, you are a follower of Christ. You are a disciple of Christ. And the Great Commission is for you. It's not just for those of us who, who are in vocational ministry. The Great Commission was given across the board. In fact, in the book of Acts, some of the most powerful examples we have of men and women sharing the gospel are not the apostles, but it's some lay people. Maybe you're familiar with the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in uh, Acts chapter 10. That is not, um, Philip was not a, uh, a disciple. In fact, it, it's, it's believed that, that Philip, the, the, the one who had that experience and who led that Ethiopian eunuch to, to faith in Christ, was actually one of the first deacons who was elected in uh, Acts chapter 6. He was a layman. And he has a powerful example of how he shares the gospel. So this morning what I want to give us is, is not anything new. It's, it's just a simple, basic gospel outline. Because what I've learned is that, that folks, um, if ever like a conversation veers towards spiritual things, one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to like recognize this as, hey, this is an opportunity to share my faith. You're going to be pretty comfortable and launch in and explain exactly what you believe. Or you're going to have like this mild panic attack. Like, wait, this has never happened to me. I've heard about this. What do I do? And, and, and we, we tend, I, I think, a, a lot of us would tend to kind of flip out in that moment. Like, wait, I don't, know, I don't know enough here. Let me give you my pastor's number and let him call you. No, no, no. Listen, if you knew enough of the gospel to be saved, you know that enough of the gospel to share with somebody. All right? So what I'm going to do is give us four things this morning that, that, you, can, uh, that you can write down. And, and, and just, it's, it's very basic, a, a gospel presentation that you can have and be able to share with someone when you come in contact with them, okay? So, but first let's stand, and uh, in, in Romans chapter 10, we're going to start in the second half of verse 8, and read all the way down through verse 13. Where the Lord says this, This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the chance to gather and to celebrate our graduates to remember those who've given their, their lives in um, sacrifice for our country, to, to come before your throne in worship, and now to hear from you. God, will you 
open up your word to us this morning. And not only that, but will you open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see a world around us that's lost and dying without knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. May we be faithful to share the gospel as often as we have the opportunity. Will you show us how to do that? We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Uh, now, now, I think I've shared before, uh, the statistics show that New Mexico on the whole is about anywhere between 90 to 95% lost without, without Jesus Christ. 90 to 95%. Now, now, that's New Mexico as a whole. Certainly there are pockets where, where those are, are skewed one way or the other. But by and large, if you want to find a lost person, go outside. Okay? Like, so so if, if that's true here, and let's say, let's say Otero County is even on the, on the low end of that, and we hover somewhere around 80%. Even still, if we're, if we're at 80% lostness, do you know what you're going to have to do to, to encounter someone who doesn't know Jesus? Go next door. And if they do, go next door. And if both of them do, then go across the street, okay? You're going to encounter folks who don't know Jesus Christ here in New Mexico because the lostness is pervasive. And we as the people of God have been called to share the gospel. So what do we believe about salvation then? Well, as I said, I'm going to give us four things this morning to... That, that not only show us what we believe about salvation, but, but also how to walk someone through. So, so if someone's, I mean, if you just ask somebody, hey, do you ever think about spiritual things? Probably you're going to hear yes. And then the very next thing is you're probably going to hear some kind of weird um, thing that they've come up with in their mind about how they're really a good person. And if there is a God and if there is a heaven, they're probably set. And so this morning what we want to do is we want to see what God's original design was how it all got messed up, and then how God restores us through the gospel, okay? So, first thing uh, that we believe about, about salvation, about, about um, our need for Christ, starts with good news. And that is that God's design was good. In, in the beginning, God's design was good. We see that in, in Genesis, when, when God creates everything. And in Genesis 1.31, at the end of his... Uh, at the end of his creation, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came and then morning, the sixth day. So when God created the world, when he was done creating, when he rests on the seventh day, he has looked at what he's created, and he said, it's good. It's good. In fact, he goes on, uh, Psalm 19, 1, as David looked at the, the heavens and looked at the sky, he said this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. All right, so in the beginning, we see God's design. We see that he designed everything good. In Genesis chapter 2, we're told that Adam and Eve lived in perfect harmony with God and with each other. Now, just think about that for a second. Perfect harmony with God. We, we can't now, in our fallen state, even if we've been saved, we still wrestle with sin in our lives. We still have things that come between us and our relationship with God. We can't comprehend that. But think for a second. Adam and Eve lived in perfect harmony with each other. There were no fights. There were no awkward questions from Eve about whether or not that dress made her look fat. 
And then, and then Adam's like going, how do I respond without offending her or dying? Like, like there, there were none of those, none of that kind of interaction. They lived in perfect harmony with each other. That was God's design. Everything was perfect. And that lasts for two whole chapters. And then chapter 3 comes in. And something happened. And, and what we know about Genesis chapter 3 is that sin fractured God's design. So number one, God created everything good. Number two, sin fractured God's design. We see this in, uh, in Romans 3.23. tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the first half there, says, For the wages of sin is death. See, here's the thing. Sin leads to brokenness. It always leads to brokenness. What sin causes us to do is to chase after things that were never meant to satisfy our deepest longings. I believe it was John Calvin who once said the, uh, the human heart is a, is a factory of idols. If you're familiar at all with Ten Commandments, the very first um, commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. And all of us, to a person, have broken that commandment. Because we all have things in our lives that fight for our attention and fight for our affections. And when we pursue those things, instead of finding our identity in Christ, we find our identity in something else, whether that's a job, whether that's a spouse, whether that's a, a child or a parent. We've, we've, we're finding our identity in something other than in who we are in Christ. And we chase after those things, and if you've done that very many times, you're going to learn that, that, that there's always this feeling of emptiness that comes up. And we buy into this lie all the time, right? So let me confess a little bit. Uh, I am a bibliophile, okay? I, I, I love books. Um, I, I have, I, I, you might say I have an addiction to books. Uh, in Fayetteville last week, we found a used bookstore that's one of the biggest that, that I've ever seen. Um, and it was, like, like, it was like I had entered heaven. Like, I think that's what heaven's going to be like, just nonstop books. You're going to have eternity to read. It's going to be awesome. Um, but, but I found myself like, and, and they were cheap books, which is even better. So, uh, I mean, I, just, like, I found myself getting excited and, and buying these books. And then I got them home, and I'm like, man, now i got to read all these things. So, so I've learned I really like collecting books. I enjoy reading, too, but, but I really like collecting books. And what happens is I'll get a stack of, like, um, I, these are what I'm going to read. And then I'll look at them, and I'm like, but I've got all these, too. <laughs> so right, that, that's, that is a, that's a temptation for me, is to find, to, to find some sort of weird identity in books. Um, and, and I recognize that in myself, that that's not, that, that, that I'm looking sometimes for, for those things to satisfy in a way they weren't meant to. Books are good, right? Re reading is good. I've, as I've heard before, if, if your uh, leaders are readers, Okay? If you're not reading, you're not, you're not leading. So I've, I've taken that to heart, and I, I love, love reading, love books. But, but I'm tempted sometimes to, find, to, to, to try to find value in, in that. Maybe, maybe you can resonate with that. Even if it's not books, I'm sure there's something that you have that you're just like, man, like once I get this thing, everything will make sense in my life, and everything will be, will be okay. And it doesn't. Why? 
Because nothing in this world is supposed to create that ultimate satisfaction in us. And when we chase after those things, it will always lead to brokenness because that's where sin leads. When we try to usurp the place that God is supposed to have in our lives with anything else, it will always lead to brokenness. And this is what we see in Romans 1.25 where Paul is writing about the, the culture in Uh, the first century Roman Empire, but he could very well be writing about the culture in 21st century United States, uh, where he says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. See, here's the danger that we run into. God, God has given us a lot of good things, a lot of good gifts. The problem comes when we begin to worship things that are created rather than the creator. And we begin to find our identity in things that we have, not in the creator who has given them to us. All right, and then Proverbs 14, 12 says, uh, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its way is the, is the way, but its end is the way to death. This is one to, man, I would, I would highlight, circle, um, whatever you got to do in your Bible to, to let this one stand out, uh, because this is so important. It's a good reminder to us. There's a, there's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. In other words, if you were just to go out and, and serve it, you know, so we've said uh, in New Mexico, we have 90 to 95% lostness. If you were just to go out and do a survey, uh, you know, our, what, do you, what do you think about God? You're going to get some responses. And, and then if you ask, well, well, do you think that your way is the right way? You're probably going to get most of the time a response of, well, yeah, sure, sure. So whether they're uh, Buddhist or Hindu or uh, Jewish or uh, Muslim or even atheist, if you ask them, well, are you, do, you, do you think you're on the right path? Yes. You ask why, they're probably going to give you a, a, a number of responses to why they think they're on the right path. It seems Right. But we know that apart from Christ, any path that we're on has its end as the way of death. Now, if you've you've seen a lot of gospel presentations at all, most of the time, they're going to start with this section, right? You're a a dirty, rotten sinner in need of a savior. Don't don't say it that way, but you you know what I mean. (laughs) Please don't say it that way. (laughs) Your sin has separated you from God. I think it's helpful to go back and, and, and begin in the beginning. Because we believe that, that the whole Bible is the word of God, right? And in fact, I would say the whole Bible give, tells us the story of the gospel. If you just start with sin, if you start with Genesis 3, and with how we, our sin has separated us from God, we're missing this, the starting point. Because the starting point is, listen, God created everything uh, perfect. He created it good. And we came along and messed it up. So, so here's the, the, the good news of the gospel. God created it good. Sin has broken it. But the gospel restores that brokenness. The gospel restores that brokenness. John 3.16. We, we know this, right? If, you're from, if you, you have any background in church at all, you've heard this. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
So God's plan for us is not that we would live separated from him, but that, that we would be restored to him, that we would experience eternal life. And then Colossians 2.14, he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Now, now this, is, um, this is courtroom language that he's using here. So it's someone who's, who's in court, who's been declared guilty, who has this certificate of debt of what they owe and, and are, have showed up for sentencing. And the judge says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to erase your debt because it's already been paid. Your judgment has already been laid on Christ. He erased it and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. So, so then at this point, if you're sharing this, or even here today, you might be wondering, okay, so God created everything good. My sin uh, separated me from God. The gospel restores that, restores that relationship with God. So then how do I place my faith in Christ? It's real simple. The, the first thing you do is you turn from sin, which is a word that we use that is repent. It means turning around. It means a 180 degree turn. I was going this way. I'm going to turn and go this way. Mark 1.15 tells us this. It says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So that's the first thing. Turn from sin. And secondly, trust in Christ. That's it. You turn from sin, trust in Christ. That's how you, if you're explaining the gospel to somebody, and say, well, hey, how, how, do I, how do I come to faith in Christ? You, you can do it with those two things right there. Turn, turn from sin. God created everything good. Sin broke it. We're, we're, we're going away from God now. Turn from sin and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Romans 10, 9, which we read a while ago in, our, in kind of our key text for the morning. Paul writes, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There, there's the promise. Turn from sin. Confess him as Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. We have this promise. And then finally, there's another step because that's not all, right? That, that, that's good. We're, we're, we're restored to Christ. We, we step from death to life as, as Paul writes in Ephesians. We... Uh, we experience beginning right now the eternal life that's in Christ Jesus but that's not all because then the gospel allows us to recover and pursue God's design this is the the process that we would call sanctification where where we were we were brought from death to life and now for the rest of our days we, we are shaped more and more into the image of God looking more and more like God's good creation in Genesis 1 and 2. Paul in Ephesians 2.10 says this. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. He's created us to do good works. He's created us so that we might reflect him in everything that we say and do. Pursue his good design. And, and here's, here's the, the kicker. 
and to bring as many people on board with us as possible. That's where the Great Commission comes in. That we take folks who've been separated from God because of sin and show them what Christ has done for us in paying the penalty that we deserve because of our sin and the good gift of eternal life that He has for us and invite them to turn from sin to trust in Christ and to pursue God's good design for their lives again. Which the Bible says here, God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You know, I think so often when I was a kid and a teenager, especially about the time that I graduated from high school, that there, was, there was a lot of talk of, well, do you know what God's will is for your life yet? Do you know what God's will is? I'm trying to find God's will. Maybe you've heard that as well. There's a lot of talk about that. Meaning, usually, well, uh, who am I supposed to marry? What am I supposed to do with my career? Where am I supposed to go to college? All those things. Um, and I remember at times being kind of overwhelmed, like, man, what if I blow this? Like, what if I, what if I miss? Like, what if I go left when I'm supposed to go right? Is, is God's will for my life blown up? And here's what I've come, come to learn over time since then. God's will for my life, God's will for your life, is that we would look more and more like Jesus. That we would recover and pursue God's design. And so, you know, if you'll make that the ultimate goal in your life, I'm just crazy enough to believe that everything else will fall into place. You, you, you follow after Christ and let him lead you where he wants you. Let him lead you to the spouse that he wants for you. Let him lead you to the college, to the vocation, to the city, to the house, to the neighborhood, to the church. All of those things. Let, follow after him and see where he takes you. All right, so this morning, how do we respond to all this? Well, first of all, the, the, the call is to turn from sin and trust in Christ. If you've never done that, today's the day. Today's the day to say yes to Jesus Christ. And you can do that by praying these words. There's, not, there's no magic formula here. This is just a simple prayer, uh, kind of giving you some words to say in case you don't already know how to do it. You simply say, dear God, my life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin and I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow him. Amen. Maybe you're here today, and that's, a, that's the first time you've ever prayed that. If so, in just a few moments when we sing, I would love to, come, I would love to have you come down and visit with you and, and explain a little bit more about what that means. Uh, maybe you're here today and you'd say, hey, I, I know for sure that I've, I've, I've taken this step. I, I've turned from sin. I've trusted in Christ. I have no doubt that my, uh, my relationship is with, is with him. My life is secured in Christ. Uh, but maybe you've never taken that first step of uh, obedience, which is baptism. If you remember the Great Commission, Jesus said, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, so we believe that's the first step of obedience for a, for a believer. And when you say yes to Christ, the baptism is the way we identify with his death, burial, and resurrection, and also the way we proclaim to the world and to the local church that, hey, I am a follower of Christ. I'm no longer my own. I belong to him.
Maybe you're here and you've never been baptized, and you'd like to, you'd say, today I, I know I need, to, uh, I need to take that first step, and we'll, we'll talk and we'll set a date and make that happen. Maybe you're here today and, and you simply would say, hey, uh, we've, we've been attending here for a little bit, but now we, we believe this is the place where we need to uh, put our roots down and make uh, First Baptist Church uh, of Alamogordo our home church. Uh, we want to pursue Christ with these folks. If that's the case, man, I'd love to visit with you as well. I'll show you how you can do that. Um, so, so that's the first step, step right? Maybe you, need to, maybe you need to turn from sin, trust in Christ. Maybe you need to follow him in, in believer's baptism. Maybe you need to say this is the church that, that, that we want to be plugged into. For the rest of us, if you're like kind of checking off your, your, your list there and going, no, good, good, good. Hey, here's, here's the second part of that. Let's proclaim this gospel to a lost and dying world. You want to know where to start? Man, go to Walmart. There's all kinds of depraved. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> just, just go to Walmart and just find somebody and, and strike up a conversation. Go to a restaurant. Nine, nine times out of ten, chances are your server's not going to know Christ. Go to your neighbors. Folks, we're surrounded by a world that's lost and dying. And we've been given... The answer, and we've been given the responsibility. May we be faithful to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you so much for the opportunity to know you and to serve you, the opportunity that that you've given us to trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. And for those of us who had, I pray we would continue recovering and pursuing your design. You would shape us and mold us into the image of Christ. If there's anyone here in the room who's not yet taken that step, may we, may, may today be the day. May today be the day that they call on you. And may we realize that truth in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We thank you that you've sent Christ to pay for our sins on the cross. We ask all these things in his precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.